This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Astros Romantis by British Railway Vintners. The 1962 bottling is on offer in the food halls on the ground floor. 30p each, 25p with purchase of an intercity day return ticket. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free. Ground Hey, I'm Jeff. And I'm Brandon. And this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? Hello, Mr. Jeff. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So we are a little delayed with um, the recording schedule. Uh, we were thrown off a little bit by the holidays. Yes. So we're recording this and we still haven't put out the last episode, but please be patient with us, Unanimous. Um, we know that we're going to be well into the new year by the time this goes out, but um, so be it. Jeff, we talked about this. Hey, how about Biden's inauguration? Now, wasn't that a great <laughs> spectacle? Did and, everyone have a and, good Valentine's Day? <laughs> yes. Man, that cheap uh, chocolate at the drugstore on the 15th sure is tasty. Mm, I got it. Mm. I got to tell you for real, though. I went out shopping on January 2nd, and the stores already had Easter candy. Like, just fuck Valentine's right to Easter. I was agog and aghast. Which is unusual for you, isn't it, Mr. <laughs> it is. It is indeed. <laughs> it is. Um, oh, yes, yes. We've been hearing so much from our uh, unanimous fans on various social media platforms, on Facebook and on Twitter and on email. Thank you so much for reaching out to us. We got a lot of great feedback about the Manchester segment, so I'm not the Mr. Jeff, only... hit it out the park, I'm or whatever Manchesterian <laughs> equivalent phrase would be. Uh, the people on Facebook were like, OMG, Mr. Jeff, so cool. You know the adjectival form for Manchester. No, I don't. It's, the, it's, it's one of those ones, that, it's like from weird uh, Latin. Talk um, the Latin, talk the Latin. Mancunian. That's that's not a real word, Mr. It's, Jeff. No, come on. It absolutely is. All right. Well, what's what's the adjectival form of Liverpool? The Liverpudlian? Right. I just think it's because it rains all the time there. There's puddles. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. We also heard uh, from Lapsed Cat. Meow. We didn't make it up. They did. On Twitter, uh, thank you, Lapsed Cat, for our message. Um, and we heard from uh, the our old friend, the other Jeff, uh, via email. Did we not, Mr. Jeff? We did. We did indeed, Mr. Brandon. He's taken a break from his investigative reporting and actually asked <laughs> us a question about um, the Bliss Girl episode, which was when the customer gives Mr. Humphreys the charge card to buy the hat and then eventually to you know take the whole lot. Mm. Um, she says, here's my card and walks away. So he's assuming that he's giving uh, she's giving him like a business card or, an a or a visitor card that just has her address on it. So how did charge cards work in 1978 Britain? Well, that's how I assumed th what you just mentioned. And I think what, what the other Jeff thought too, like she was in such high standing that she'll just be a lady who lunches, walks about all the high street shops and goes into Devonhams and Lallian Willits and Grace Brothers. And just with her card, her, her name alone, oh yes, madam, and they'll send a bill to her home where her... Her MP husband, my husband's an MP, you know. Um, that's a future episode. Uh, then they just paid the bill. That's what I thought. But, but, I mean, they didn't have, like, a credit card system at all back then. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, that's one of the ways that it worked is that just based on her name alone, um, what what usually would happen is they would, send, they would call up Mr. Patel in accounts and just verify that this person had an account open. But it was up to Captain Peacock's discretion by seeing that she's a lady of quality. Yes, for certain she has an account with us. And if she doesn't, um, she's a person of quality. She's going to pay the bill. So that's why you always see them having to go over and have Captain Peacock sign on the chit to approve it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> that it can be um, 
the customer can leave without it going to check up with uh, Mr. Patel and accounts. And you know what's funny? Like, my friend Lori was telling me, who is a, a fan of the show? She's a member of the Unanimous. Hello. And she's actually the one who gave us the uh, fabulous Christmas pudding. Steam pudding, um, right. Steam pudding. So thanks again for that, Lori. But she uh, was telling me once that uh, um, I can't remember the date and I can't remember the details. Typical of me. Um, but <laughs> um, there was a date... In the 70s, I want to say that before that date, women were not able to get their own credit cards without their husband's permission or their father. 1974, so to, yeah. Yeah, so if you think about you know, the fact that if you're a woman who is single and you can just get a credit card and go down to the Macy's and get a pair of shoes or whatever the hell, like you couldn't always do that. In case in point with this madam with uh, the bliss girl with the fabulous hat and the, the shoes and the... the um, because she had the husband involved. Of course, it was 1978, and I'm sure it was l- hopefully more progressive in the UK. But yeah, it's just amazing how to, little things like that that in the modern era we don't think about. But yeah. uh, back then it was different. Yeah, the, the second option that could have happened was that the card that she was handing over actually was her credit card. You know, it wouldn't have been made out of that tough plastic with the raised numbers that you run over a charge plate. Um, like we might remember from our, our childhood, but rather it was like a laminated piece of cardboard that had her account number on it. And so Mr. Humphreys would have seen that this is an official Grace Brothers credit card and it just would have gotten returned to her with the delivery because you notice she doesn't take anything with her. She doesn't want to be laden down with those bags while she's walking up and down Bond Street or Oxford Street that or whatever. Is a, that is a price too much to pay for Matt. Right. Yes. So the, everything that she bought would be delivered to her house, and then the card would be returned to her with the delivery. So. Well, they also had what a COD. I remember being a kid, you'd always see, you know, before the oh, internet, absolutely. you would see stuff on the on the commercials like, buy this now. We accept cash, credit, or COD. And COD is cash on demand. So like she ordered the, the, the fur coat and all that, they would deliver to her, and then she would have to pay cash to the delivery people, which is probably Grace Brothers or whatever. But you don't see that anymore because it's the 21st century, and money is a lot easier to flow around now. And you also don't yeah. want delivery people carrying cash, right? Because if you remember, right. you remember like UPS, FedEx, the Postal Service, they used to have a sign on their truck that said driver carries less than $50 cash or whatever because they'd be a right. target for crime. And how would they get that cash? It's by c- collecting from the cash on delivery. Yeah, and it's, it seems like just the little opportunities for people to like, yeah. you know, I mean, especially think this is kind of a bigger conversation now, but writing a physical check for a bill or for whatever back 20, 30 years ago, you could say, I only have 50 bucks in my account, my checking account, but I'm going to write a check for 150. And as long as I know that it takes seven days for that check to quote, clear my bank, but I get paid next Tuesday, five days away, by the time they cash it, my check will be all, you know, there's all these weird little tricks you could do with checks and stuff, but now it's all instant. Instantaneous. Yeah. Yeah. So good old days. So unanimous, keep on writing in, especially if you want us to cover more anglophilic topics in our, um, we are unanimous in this there segment. There is a cream for that as well. What? So. And in the meantime, you've all, you've all done, done very, well. very well. Hurrah. So, Mr. Yeah. Jeff, what the hell are we doing on this podcast? What are we here to talk about? Well, we are here to talk about the fact that Black Lives Matter, in case you yes, forgot about that. But we are talking about the Series 6 finale, Happy Returns. Wow. So this is the last episode of... Season six, there are as many episodes this season as there are numbers of the season itself. That's only six episodes. That's so weird. Um, this is also Mr. Tebbs' last episode um, because he had to go back to... Um, Baking all those Bakewell tarts. <laughs> right. And you also didn't see it for half of the episode, which is funny. So uh, this episode originally premiered on December 26th, 1978. So this was the Christmas special. Boxing Day. Um, but it did really uh, – the, the series just ended uh, a week or two before that. So it really wasn't too far out from the regular season Okay, when this happened. So, so that week in the news, former Prime Minister of India Indira Gandhi is arrested and jailed um, for a breach of privilege and contempt of parliament. Oh, shit. So here's what happened. Um, so she had recently lost the election to be reelected as as prime as a prime minister. Famously, uh, Mahatma Gandhi's is it daughter or granddaughter? 
I want to say granddaughter. I could be wrong. Anyway. Um, Whatever it was, yeah. So the political party who defeated her, that head was the one who ordered her arrest because um, he, he just wanted to silence the opposition, right? The allegations okay. against her was that she had planned or thought of killing all opposition leaders in jail during the emergency because right before the election, she declared a national emergency. Oh, wow. And so they, they were saying that she was using that to plot to kill her own opposition. So the descendant of Mahatma Gandhi, arguably one of the, well, arguably one of the most peaceful persons in public, um, mm-hmm. yeah. in, in private, he was actually known to be, um, to engage in domestic violence, but that's a different topic for a different day. Different podcast. So in response to her arrest, Gandhi supporters hijacked an Indian Airlines jet and demanded oh her God. immediate release. So I... Like, you couldn't make this shit up today if you tried. Like, even well, I comp- think we're trying in D.C. these days. But, but they so. are trying very, very hard, <laughs> right? We will see what happens on January 20th if they try and pull some mm. nonsense like this. Wow. Okay. So that was a crazy week. I'm glad yep. the people of England and the U.K. had a little comedy to watch. Yeah. Uh, and The King and I closes, closed at the Yuri Theater in New York City after 719 performances. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Well done. So open up the, the, uh, the, the curtains, Mr. Jeff. What do we see the first couple minutes? So the credits roll over the, the shop floor, and we see Warwick sweeping up. And I have to wonder, where are Daphne and Ivy? And why isn't You're Mr. Harmon? You, you, I do. You're I so do worry about them. It's so nice. And I want to know why Mr. Harmon, the shop steward of the union, is not there um, defending their jobs. Why is he letting his own staff <gasps> scab in and sweep for them? Scabs. Ooh, that's very good. I don't um, know. But we, we, we don't spend any time there because as soon as the, the credits finish, we cut to Mr. Rumbold's office where Mr. Harmon is telling us the difference between a blue-collar worker asking for something and a white-collar worker telling something, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. But they, but, they better be, but they better be nice, otherwise they're going to get a punch of five right at the Ruta. You know, I was really impressed with Arthur English, the actor, how he just effortlessly – um, doled out all of those lines very quickly. And the, he does that Cockney thing where they speak very quickly. And I'm from the South, y'all. I'm from Arkansas. So I just, it's talking this fast is hard for me. Talking but quickly, I, was, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's a completely foreign concept to me. <laughs> which accent you're from? Um, very New Jersey. Yeah, um, but I was just really impressed with it because I, I, he's so quick. And I have to say, of all of the actors on Are You Being Served, Arthur English he seems almost the most theatrical. Is that a word? Like, I can picture this guy on a Broadway stage rattling out the lines two times a day, six days a week. Easy. Any day of the week, really. Or, you know, like um, Mrs. Sloak, Miss, uh, Miss Brahms, Wendy, Rich, Wendy, Wendy Richards. I don't really see her as the, as the same as caliber, maybe like the strength of her as an actor. But Arthur English, he's just so cool. I really like that guy. And I didn't feel like that as a kid. Watching these again, investigating, investing the time on the podcast, it's something that's really I've noticed. So he's cool. He does indeed have a, have a bigger stage presence than um, – Yeah, that's a nice way to say it. Than some of the other characters who um, are definitely cut out for television, right? Even though they try and make these shows more of a teleplay, um, I, I, I can see what you're saying, right? Totally. Um, and we see that Mr. Rumbold is wearing a chartreuse dahlia. So that oh. kind of, you know, stands out immediately from the usual carnation or whatever executives are uh, allowed to wear. Um, it's 830 in the morning. And so Harmon calls in the staff for a meeting and they all bring in their coffee and biscuits, right? Because they're there early. They're eating breakfast in the shop and uh, they're eating in Mr. Rumbold's office. Kind of um, a little odd that they would be doing that. Um, it seems so informal to be doing that where usually there's such a formal structure. Well, um, we learned that, like, <laughs> oh, that would have never happened in my day when Mr. And so Mr. And so. Prentice was here. Oh. No, never. Oh. <laughs> right. So yeah. uh, 
Mr. Rumble tells the staff it's the news that it is young Mr. Grace's birthday, so there's a whole bunch of ceremonies, or if you're British, ceremonies, that are going to go on. Uh, mm. And meanwhile, Miss Brahms gets her crumbs all over the place because she's she, she forgot to dunk it in her coffee first. So they're faffing about, as, uh, as Mr. Humphrey says. And then, of course, Mr. Humphrey's like, has to become, because he's gay, he's very worried about being neat and tidy. So he gets on his hands and knees, and I wonder if you notice this too. He gets on his hands and knees and suddenly produces a brush out of nowhere and starts making like a sheet of paper into like a little uh, dust pan kind of thing and starts like picking up. And then he's on his hands and knees and he his head gets closer and closer I noticed to that. Mr. Rumbold's desk. And you hear some people in the audience laugh. But they didn't make it a joke. And I wonder if maybe the BBC said, no, too much. that's too much. It's too too much. much. But they still did it, but they didn't call it out. I don't know. So d- did Mr. Humphreys actually have a brush in his hand? Because I thought that the actor was just miming the act of sweeping with his hand. Uh, no, I think he had a brush. I don't know mm. where, I mean, you know how they, they kind of produce things. but That's true, right? Yeah. So Mr. Humphreys did notice something while he was underneath Rumbold's desk, and that is that Rumbold is wearing odd socks. <gasps> so How dare I, you? I wonder why this is such an offense in British culture, because in one of my other favorite shows, Adrian Mole, one of the plot points very early on is that he he's um, a high school student, and he got suspended for wearing odd socks. Uh, his classmate Pandora, who he has a crush on, started a petition to change the rules, and that's how they started dating. So I know this comes up again and again that it's like a huge thing yeah. to make fun of someone that they're wearing odd socks. Whereas I feel here in the States, like, yeah, it's a little eccentric or odd for someone to do that, but it wouldn't be so against prim and proper society, you know? It seems like uh, it might be a way that um, they can kind of poke fun at the rigidity of being British and being English and everyone's very minding your P's and Q's. That's one thing I learned when I was over in the UK is that as Americans, we let it all hang out. Uh, Stevie baby or whatever. <laughs> letting it all. What was the phrase from uh, that episode? You're letting it all. Oh, be- letting it all hang out, Betsy baby. Um, yeah, we, we'll wear like a rumpled unironed shirt and not feel mm. that our personal pride is wrapped up in that. And But over there, you know, not everybody. Of course, there's outliers all over the place, but it's a different, it's a different culture. Yep. We also learn one of the other traditions that happens on young Mr. Grace's birthday is that the staff get a bonus. Um, and Captain Peacock tells us that it ends up being a two-bob bit. So if you remember from our earlier discussions about old money... A bob is a shilling, and a shilling is um, one-twentieth of a pound, so that means they'd be getting ten pence. Oh, jeez. See, I thought a bob was two pounds, and they were complaining about two pounds, or, or two bobs would be two pounds. And I thought, well, two pounds in 1978, that's not nothing to shake at, but two 10p, 20p, that's really, that's probably no, like no, a bus No, 10p, because oh. uh, one bob is 5p, so two bob is 10p. Oh, that's right. like half a sandwich in 1978, maybe. You, you wouldn't be able, even be able to get a cup of coffee at Beppo's because isn't it 20p? Oh, yeah. You certainly wouldn't be able to get um, a bottle of Astrospermantes from our a sponsor this week. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that reminds me, um, thinking of, of champagne, our uh, friend of the show, um, Dean, uh, Dean Darling from um, Melbourne, Australia, who was one of our special guest hosts of this program. Um, he uh, said some very lovely things. And the reason I'm thinking of him is, for some reason, I always associate champagne with Dean Akureyri, Um Because on this Facebook, he always posts booze and stuff. And uh, <laughs> he said some lovely things. So thank you for the lovely uh, sharing of our profile, Mr. Dean. Thank you, Dean. Yay. Um we get to learn yet another tradition that the staff are all wearing the pom-pom dahlias in honor of young Mr. Grace's birthday. Um, but the staffs haven't arrived yet. So Peacock sent Lucas out to the florist to get some, uh, rumble doesn't take, doesn't miss the opportunity to say that, uh, Captain Peacock overstepped his boundaries by doing that. 
Um, but Lucas comes back and he got decorative dahlias instead of pom poms. So they just look like regular Juniors. flowers, right? Very nineteen so seventies. Very a little bit too big, a little bit too colorful. Clearly fake. <laughs> I guess they just liked that in the seventies. But I, I kind of think it's fabulous. Yeah. So the final tradition is that young Mister Grace is going to serve them lunch in the canteen. And I have a feeling that we're going to get a little bit of a physical comedy here, much like how um, Mr. Granger and Mr. Tebbs uh, slurp their soup. Something is going to be up uh, with that as well. Of course, they're going to have some sort of liquidy meal. It's not going to be like chicken. It's going to be soup or something. Right, something to spill. That makes me think, we have met the manageress. I mean, obviously, every time we go for a break... To have our tea, we meet her, but on the show, um, we this... have. So she's so she only appears in uh, in the Christmas specials up until now, right? She okay. was in the Father Christmas Affair, and yeah. she was in the Christmas special ahead of that. But coming up next season, um, she's going to be in a couple more episodes, and we'll talk about that uh, when she comes on screen. It makes me think. I wonder if maybe the actress was engaged in something that for some reason they have the holiday season off because it seems like every year she has, she, she can come and do an episode around Christmas time. But yeah, we'll, we'll perhaps open that up later. Yeah. We learn there's going to be a party in this store after hours tonight. And Mrs. Slocum says that she can't stay too late because the man next door is popping by every half an hour to keep an eye on her pussy. Uh, and after half past 11, his wife won't let him out. Uh, this was, this was a, this was a half-hearted pussy joke in my in my opinion because You're, as the as the as the seasons go on, Mister Jeff, you 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 seem to be investing more and more in the pussy jokes, which is surprising to me. Yeah, um, because you don't need to check in on a cat every half an hour unless it's having kittens, right? Cats are one of those animals that are very um, self-sufficient. Some pussies can be very finicky. <laughs> Apparently, I've heard that. Um, but I think that you'll, you, my tone will change next week when we start going into season seven. I think, I don't know if it was just the Mr. Goldberg character or if there was a change in writing or directing, but, um, there's a big shift, I think in season seven and you're going to hear less complaints from me for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> oh God. So the staff have to sing um, happy birthday to Mr. Ro- uh, Mr. Grace. They don't have time to uh, um, rehearse a four-part harmony, but Mr. Rumble does use his pitch pipe to get the note, and um, the lift gets stuck in between floors. And so they pry it half open, and they sing to him through, through the cracked doors. I'm stuck. He was so cute. I'm wondering, you know, the... We're going to see a little bit later when they um, when we get to the canteen that young Mr. Grace is in a wheelchair. Yeah. And this is one of the first times that we see him sitting down for the majority of the episode. Um, a uh, little bit, that's a good point. A little bit later on, he does walk in to Mr. Rumble's office. So he wasn't confined to his wheelchair. But I'm wondering if they did that as a visual gag about having him stuck so that you didn't see his lower half to see him sitting in the wheelchair. Oh, that's a very and... interesting observation. I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, anytime you see him walking, he has, like, someone on either side of him. But we've talked about, you know, how he is an actor. He can act older than he is. But right. I don't know. He's he's a in, – in the episode, he turns 81, but – he looked older than 81, but again, right. 1978, 81 was a lot older than it is now. Right. And we, and we know that the, the actor retires at the end of season seven uh, to make way for um, old Mr. Grace. Um, so, um, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> we hate old Mr. Grace. Sorry, old Mr. Grace. Worst. Uh, no, you know, you know what? Yes, I will say that he is the worst character of the bunch. Mr. Klein running a sh- a brief, brief second behind him. Um, just because the prosthetics and the makeup were not good. Yeah, they should have gotten another old actor. I yeah. love the idea of of having that. And, and the respect that the audience gave to him whenever he would come out, they would all clap. It was so sweet. And yeah. 
Well, anyway, we we're getting ahead of ourselves. We got a while to go before <laughs> yes. we get there. Anyway, so um, we also learn we uh, young Mister Grace is stuck in the lift with the secretary, and we learn that Miss Belfridge is only nineteen years old. Oh. So she must have come straight out of comprehensive school because she's been around for at least two seasons, right? Yeah. Wow. So right after graduating, I guess she started working. Um, at Grace Brothers, so, that is. At, Gra- at Grace Brothers, right. Um, <laughs> we go down to the canteen and the staff are sitting around getting ready for the birthday lunch. And they find a wedge of cheese on their table that's from 1964, from when Mrs. Slocum and Captain Peacock carved their initials into it. That's crazy. So, th- so I understand that cheese that some cheese keeps, um, but for 15 years, they really do push the boats out when Mister uh, Young Mister Grace turns 81 at Grace Brothers. Um, I mean, I, I, yeah. I know that there are some cheeses that you can put a wax seal on. And that they'll keep, especially harder ones. But, you know, if this one's got mouse teeth marks around the edge, it's not sealed in wax. So You might say it turned old, tough, leathery, and rejected. <laughs> and the cheese didn't fare so well either. <laughs> great, great topper for Mr. Lucas there. Right? And then guess who walks in? Our friend. Slinging her plates. Uh, the canteen manager asks. And right? no, she's not Greek. <laughs> no, she's not because she doesn't break any of them, right? Right, right. Um, so the canty manageress is again played by Dormy Vernon. Love her. Um, and so you'd, you'd asked before if she was a- acting in anything else that prevented her from making other regular appearances. Mm, yeah. A- and the answer is no. She really wasn't known for much else. This was probably her most prominent role. Oh, really? Okay. I, I think it's all on the writers because, you know, we don't see... Up until now, we haven't seen a lot of interaction with other departments, right? You'll get the occasionally someone in from display, and we hear about the entire crew from accounts that are referenced. Yeah. Um, but there's never any interaction with, uh, with another person from another department. And so it's not until next season when we, she makes three appearances um, in various episodes, including... Um, anything you can do where they have to make oh, lunch for everyone. Good one. Yeah. one of my favorites. You know, and then later on in season eight where Captain Peacock has to um, get into the boxing match because <laughs> um, the, the guy in the sports department spread the rumor about the boil on his bum. Um, right. You know, there the, the really is – so I think it's more about what the writers were doing in terms of how they were placing the characters – and less about the actress's availability. I kind of wish they brought the manageress out a lot more. Like, just talking about it this much, I really like her. I like how she gets, she, she, she fires her missiles at everybody. And then they get right under her, you know, Mrs. Slocum gets really angry. And I like that. I would like you, Diana Yardcliffe. I really do like you, Diana. Um, that's actually <laughs> her name. She doesn't have a name yet, but we will learn it. Uh, I believe next season. Deep uh, yeah. cut, Jeff. My gosh! Wow. So we are gonna we are gonna see a lot of her in season seven, nine, and ten. All right. Yeah. So Mr. Harmon is narrating each part of the lunch ceremony, and he starts off with very clearly enunciating "My lords, ladies, and gentlemen," and he bangs <laughs> a gavel as if he's <laughs> in Parliament. But as the ceremony goes on, and he's narrating each part. It speeds up. My lord, and gentlemen. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's pretty funny. And the audience gets a kick out of it as well. Um, and just as we suspected, young Mr. Grace has to serve the most junior person in the department, the Grace Brothers Gruel. Gross. Right. Um, which I'm hoping like really just meant oatmeal and not just like watery rice as we understand Gruel to be. Um, <laughs> And rather than saying happy birthday, Mr. Lucas says, may I congratulate you on getting some of it in the plate. <laughs> it was so cute. So whenever Mr. Uh, young Mr. Grace pulls out his ladle uh, from the tureen, I like the tureen. I like using the word tureen. And to add dramatic effect, um, Mr. Lucas shakes in rhythm with the hand of young Mr. Grace. He right. shakes his bowl at the same rate and speed. So the whole thing looks like it's a little earthquake. It was really cute. And uh, yeah, I really liked it. Yeah. I mean, uh, theoretically, the Mr. Lucas character is trying to move the bowl to catch 
the gruel yeah. as uh, <laughs> Mr. Grace is shaking, right? And then Mr. Grace tries tries to open the bottle of champagne and, and can't do it. Uh, it's actually not champagne. It is um, – uh, thank you to our great sponsors at Astro Spumantis from British Railways. Uh, so it's it's Asti Spumanti, which is sparkling wine from the Piedmont region of, of Italy. Um, and it's different from champagne because it uses a single tank formation, uh, fermentation rather than being fermented in the bottle. So it ends up being sweeter than most champagnes. Um. Dead common, if you ask me. Single tank formation? Please. <laughs> it is actually rather common, you know. Um, I, I think a lot of people... This, this, you know, before I say it, this might be one of those generation gap things that you might not remember from your childhood, but I very clearly do. Because I'm so young. Um, there, was a, there was a commercial that we had in the States for a brand of, of sparkling wine... Uh, and the tagline was Spumanti on ice, so nice. And it was mm. it was advertised on, you know, it, it's like a Reuniti type um, wine. Like maybe a step up from Boone's, but certainly nothing that you would order in a bar. Like something that you would get out of like the supermarket. Do you have any recollection oh, yeah. of that at all? No, this is, I mean, yeah. you know, not really. I really loved how futile <laughs> young Mr. Grace looked when he was trying to open that bottle of wine. Didn't you just feel bad for him? Like when I'm looking at him, like trying to pull the little uh, cork off of the thing. And of course he can't. Um, and then of course it accidentally goes off. It's like, Oh God. And his the waste, the waste, get me his heart machine goes, goes off. Oh, Mr. Mr. Grace, are you all right? Oh no, the waste, the expense. It was so cute. And with that, speaking of all this exploding liquid and spumante and all of that, I've got rather a parched throat. Why don't we go grab some tea from the canteen and give our give a piece of our mind to that manageress cow? Why don't we do that? We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. And we're back from the canteen. Um, they were at a spumante, so I just had Earl Grey tea. What about you, Mr. Jeff? Rizzle. <laughs> what you call me? Berry cakes are what I had for my dessert. So, where were we in this crazy episode of ours? So we cut over to Mr. Rumble's office, and he's there looking over some reports in a striped dressing gown. Um, and so it's a very, very, very informal to be uh, dressed like that, uh, thinking I, that he was uh, sleeping over in the office, like in the apartment episode. But it turns <laughs> yeah. out that he is, um, he's actually got his costume underneath that where he's dressed in, he's uh, dressed in all black in order to get into his Humpty Dumpty costume that um, Mr. Harmon brings over. Because yeah. in the party that's being held after hours, each of the departments have to play a different skit, right? So you mean the, the, staff, the staff of, of Grace Brothers has an excuse to put on costumes and do a little song and dance? <laughs> Is that what you're saying, Jeff? They don't need an excuse at all, right? So, <laughs> right. Um, so haberdashery is doing buttons and bows. Appropriate. Funny. Uh, accounting is doing Indian love limericks. Appropriate. So again, right. Uh, bathroom fittings is doing excerpts from Gone with the Wind. <laughs> I didn't get that right. joke until I was an adult. But now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, 
There you go. There you go. Uh, and they've also hired, hired a professional cabaret to entertain the staff after they've all done their performances. Lovely. Yeah. So this is where young Mr. Grace walks in on his two feet. He's mm-hmm. not confined to the wheelchair. Uh, and we learn that Mr. Humphreys has had the idea to do a ballet. Typical. And so, and so we go in and we see on the floor that he's dressed in a pink dressing gown made of like satin and velvet – um, not velvet. Um, like what's the other material that's crepey embroidery? It looks like something you can picture Mr. Humphreys wearing at home with his mother, as they're yeah. as they're sitting around the fire watching the BBC News Hour or something. Right. Yeah. Fabulous. Mr. Tebbs is playing a teddy bear, and he's got his head on sideways so that he could see through the ear hole because he's so short. He can't see through the mouth that he's supposed to, right? Do so, you want a hot take? That's, go for it. My hot take is that's really not Mr. Tebbs. James Hader. That's somebody else. And that the Mr. Kipling people are already twisting that vice tighter and tighter. And that um, they said, we'll let you do the last scene when you're all wearing your top hats and stuff. But other than that, you're not going to be on screen. So they put him in a full head-to-toe costume. And he didn't even say anything, did he? He did, but you, you could easily have done that, you know, with um, a mic, you know, off camera or something like they that. They call me Controversial um, Brandon. That's what they call me. So, you know, this is why I have controversial ideas. That Maybe so, but, you know, you think of also that the character is sitting down for most of this. Just like Mr. Granger would have to sit down because the actor himself needed to rest hmm. uh, whenever they were doing long dances or things like that. Yeah, so, yeah. I don't know. Um, Mr. Lucas is playing Little Boy Blue, uh, and he is wearing a plastic Mac or a raincoat because his tights are too tight and he's afraid that you would see his bulge <laughs> in, his, in his trouser area. Nothing worse, I tell you. And so he has this little bit that every time his colleagues ask him, why he's wearing a plastic Mac, he opens his coat like he's flashing them. And so there's always a response. But it's funny because, like, he he will, like, flash literally everyone so that he doesn't have to show everyone his bulge. But you've just shown it to everybody, so you might as well say go. Right. Right. Uh. Uh, Mrs. Slocum is playing little girl Alice, aged four. And this is a little bit of a... um, foreshadowing oh yeah you're right to an episode in season nine memories are made of this where she gets hit on the head and has amnesia and <laughs> which thinks is a that she's stupid, a four-year-old little yeah, girl very funny episode <laughs> yeah i mean anytime that you know i feel like amnesia is one of those things that television prepared me for that it wasn't a real thing in real life like right? quicksand if you think like quicksand exactly everyone there's quicksand right? everywhere in life but no it's not Right. So, yeah, bumping your head and getting amnesia is not something that happens commonplace. Damn. Right. Um, Miss Brahms is playing Little Miss Muffet, uh, and she brings out a chair for her to sit on because, according to the rhyme, Little Miss Muffet sat on a tuffet. And so, but apparently a tuffet is only, like, yay big. It's about the size of a mushroom. (laughs) So, (laughs) Mr. Harmon says, well, they've got a 12-inch puff in soft furnishings. I thought that would have been at the novelty department. (laughs) Oh, my God. 12-inch puff in soft furnishings. So, I mean, what Mr. Mr. Humphrey's joke is referring to is... You you take this one. um, I'm not going to touch that. He's referring to a miniature-sized person, like someone that you'd see in like the Guinness Book of World Records. Oh, that's not someone where I who's only you were one foot go tall. With that. Right? No, 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 no. That's not what that means at all. His his reference is PG thirteen, not X rated. I thought it was a thing <laughs> that you go into the back of bookstores in the nineties to purchase. That's all I'll say. Marital aid. There is a town in Newfoundland, Canada. Look it up. That has this, the same name as this implementation. Look it up. Is it pr- is it pronounced the same? Yep. Look it up, people. I, what, is it like an Inuit word, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> um, Captain Peacock is playing the Tin Soldiers. Tin Soldier. 
uh, and he's riding a horse, uh, a, a play horse. He pulls the reins, and the tail knocks Mr. Lucas in the middle of the gentleman's apartment. Oh. So it's pretty funny there. Um, as an alternative, they get him a stuffed sheepdog, which is ridiculous. Kind of weird. And so as the alternative to the alternative, they have to get him a stick with a horse head. They give him a broom to practice with. That whole thing I didn't really get. I mean, okay, you need something, and you got to fill some time. Funny, I guess, but it... I don't know. I think this second half of this episode is cute. They, they have to do a little bit of exposition to explain why they're all wearing the costumes, right? Yeah. Uh, Mr. Humphreys is playing, pairing the, playing the fairy prince. So he takes his dressing gown off and he's wearing way too tights that are way too high. They go up way too high. And so Mr. Lucas says he's got nothing to lose. So he takes his plastic <laughs> Mac off. So I, so we all love a Humphreys costume, don't we? And he's wearing like a padded God. I pictured like, um, what's that ballet for the Christmas time area? Um, the, the, the nutcracker, nutcracker suite. Yeah. Like the lead ballet guy. And the Nutcracker would wear something very festive and almost like sewn with silver thread and very padded shoulders and white leggings and stuff. And that he, he looked really good. And then, of course, uh, contrasted with the blue of the little boy blue, um, I was really impressed with their costumes. I liked them. They're, they're good, but... Yeah, uh, let's let's hold that thought for a couple of minutes until we get to a little bit further okay. on in the episode. So they start the rehearsal, and the whole bit of the ballet is that the fairy prince uh, sprinkles dust on the little girl, and then she goes and winds up all of her toys, and they all dance with each other, and then she's able to go back to sleep, right? And so yeah. we get we get the idea of um, of Mrs. Slocum playing the little girl, aged four, and every. T- Age four, mm-hmm. and that every time she has to wind up, she has to so, show surprise. So Molly Sugden does this great bit <laughs> that every time that Humphreys, as the director, reminds her, shows su- surprise. She places her hands by her side, by her cheeks, and goes, "Oh, oh my and gosh!" Makes this yes. sound. So cute. <laughs> it's so subtle. It's very much like um, RuPaul's Drag Race season six. <laughs> Uh, where they did the um, horror movie es- episode where Jocelyn Fosk, Sock, F- Jocelyn Fox said the word gasp. Gasp. <laughs> <when she would. laughs> yeah, it's, 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 that, it's that old theatrical thespian, overdramatic, playing to the back of the theater kind of thing, you know, really cute. But in, the, but, but in that subtlest of ways that Are You Being Served is known for, which usually is Mr. Humphrey's doing with a very subtle motion, like a, a, a motion of his wrist or whatever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, Mr. Rumbold um, can't sit at the piano, right? Because every time he sits down, his Humpty Dumpty egg costume breaks up. So Mr. Humphrey's grabs Miss Muffet's spoon, breaks the shell like he's breaking a hard-boiled egg yeah. and widens the face hole, right? The whole thing was kind of like, you could tell it didn't really work out like it should have. Like there was, it would have been cuter if it came off easier or they were expecting it to be funny and it didn't. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, f- I feel like if if the egg cracked like an egg did in terms of in that shape and it was a little bit bigger, because you could see very clearly when he put the costume on in the first place where the filling was added in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Um, so Alice goes to wind up the tin soldier, and so she cranks it like she's cranking a Model T car. Oh, like into his <laughs> ass, so, right? No, like at his feet, basically, right? I thought and it was... So, I, I th- I'll challenge you on that, because I think she oh, was maybe like... maybe it was in his ass. Yeah, like wind, like an old Model T car where like you would bend down. Because you do it from the back. That's true. So that's right. So Mr. Humphreys tells her, this isn't the 27 bus. No, I don't uh, get that. And so, so at that time, the 27 bus ran through the West End, which is where a lot of the theaters are. Oh. And so... Actors would um, take that bus in order to go to work, to go to their job. So everyday people, that would be where um, actors would want to see – they'd want to see actors is taking the 27 bus. Oh, that's a completely different direction I thought you were going to go. But uh, there we go. (laughs) No, this isn't like um, Swan and Edgar's. (laughs) Not at all. Yes. (laughs) Um, 
Mr. Tebbs in the teddy bear costume is asleep in his chair, so Mr. Humphreys has to wake him with an are you free, just like he used to with Mr. Granger. He's inhabited with the ghost of the late Mr. Granger. We miss you, Mr. Granger. There you go. Uh, Mr. Lucas honks his horn underneath everyone's derriere when he's skipping about his little boy kinda Blue. kind of cute. Kind of cute, yeah. Kind of cute. Uh, and then in the very last chorus, little Alice does a little tap dance. Which is adorable. <laughs> it's, it's Mrs. Slocum, Molly Sugden, being... A four-year-old girl with, like, this great, huge wig. Being a 52-year-old woman (laughs) playing a four-year-old girl. (laughs) But she's got, like, this cute little short dress, and she's feeling herself, as the young people say. She's so cute. Yeah. So the professional cabaret come in, and they're dressed in the exact same costumes, but better quality, to do the Ballet of the And toys. I like when they come down, when they descend the uh, the stairs from the lift, they will rush right next to the people who they are also identified with, like in the Grace Brothers right. team. Yeah. It was, as a kid, I didn't understand the whole thing. And the whole idea is kind of insane anyway. But Well, every episode has a little bit of absurdism <laughs> to it, yeah. right? So Mr. Humphreys is, is surprised because he's put all this work into rehearsing the ballet. He goes, they're all the same as us. And then the professional prince character goes, well, not exactly the same mush. <laughs> and so I, I always thought that that was um, a slur or a slang That's word for too. gay. Yeah. Right. But it turns out that it's just a Polari word for mate. Right. It's from the Rumney word merch, meaning man. Oh. And so what this is just doing is marking the professional dancer as someone – a little bit more common, someone East End, someone of the people. So he's like, by by day, he's your average East Ender, and then by night, he's this professional ballet dancer. That's where the joke is in that. It does remind me of when Mr. Lucas accidentally refers to the fairy queen, and then everyone laughs, <laughs> and then Mr. Humphrey says, Prince. Prince. Fairy Prince, which is so cute. <laughs> I might have to have that as my one of my third or fourth costume for the eventual Are You Being Served convention. You're on your seventh costume seventh. for well, anyone seven. who's keeping yeah. count, right? Um, so they're all worried what they're going to do because there's no time to um, change up the skit. And Mr. Humphreys reminds them that you're forgetting about the magic fairy dust. Oh. So they he sprinkles fairy dust around and they all march up the stairs. So cute. And we hear... We hear a song swelling up. And then we get a hard camera cut. And all of a sudden, they're in silver LeMay tuxedo. Which is so, so cute. So 70s. Because the 70s was an area... Let me, let me teach you, children. In the 1970s, people loved LeMay. And LeMay is like... You take fabric, but made it out of metal. And if you have like an old grandmother or an old great aunt who lives in maybe Boca Raton, Florida... Um, she might have some gold lame leggings or gold lame house slippers. I think my grandmother had some gold lame slippers. Um, so if you imagine the character of Yetta from The Nanny. Definitely. Um, she, she often dressed in gold and silver lame. Yeah. Mr. Tebbs doesn't march up the stairs with them. Too many cherry bakewells. It's just... <laughs> um... <laughs> Due to the magic fairy dust, they start performing um, Stepping Out With My Baby. So this is an Irving Berlin song from the musical Easter Parade. Uh, the film version starred Judy Garland, Fred Astaire, Ann Miller. So very popular, very 1940s, um, very fitting for Are You Being Served to be doing a song from 40 years ago. <laughs> um, and yeah. the song was made popular by uh, Tony Bennett. Uh, after that in the 80s. So that's like, I think that's the version that most people today would remember is the Tony Bennett song. And again, this goes to like the idea that you know, like the audience of Are You Being Served were not people in their 20s. There were people in their 50s who would have remembered that from back in the day. That song. Right. So it's a little surprising, I guess, that they chose this song because the song is a little problematic. Not so much as... Baby, it's cold outside or something like that. But here's the backstory behind stepping out with my baby in the in the musical, right? So the whole plot yeah. of Easter Parade is is a little bit Pygmalion-like in that um, the the Fred Astaire character is dating is a is a is a vaudeville is a theatrical manager who's dating one of the showgirls. Okay. 
And she ups and leaves, quits the show, leaves him to um, go be a star somewhere else. So he makes a bet with one of the other um, men who work in the theater that he could take any one of the girls and turn them into a star. Okay. And so this is the song that he sings once she's made her transformation. Right. So it's it's slightly problematic. I mean, this has been the plot of like however many movies, however many teen films about, you know, um, Kiss Me Kate, uh, maybe. Imp- improving a woman's uh, improving a girl or a woman's image. And then she finds out that it was part of the better scheme. And then he learns his lesson and happily ever after. All, men need, but, all women need a man behind her and blah, blah, blah. Right. I mean, all you have to do is take off your glasses and shake your hair and there you go. Um, but yeah, it's, this isn't as much, I think that people have associations with the song that it's like, oh, we're going for a night out, right? Very much like top, top hat and tails that it's a special occasion. We're going out. I'm with my partner that I love, but in, in, in the original, that's not what this is about. I will say, I will say it's really cute to see all the staff. At the very top of the stairs, and the women are wearing like the that weird thing where women would wear like a bathing suit bottom, a bodysuit, bodysuit, yeah. and men would wear you know trousers like always. I always thought it was weird when you watch uh, Family Guy, and at the very end, it basically uh, here's a funny thing: <laughs> this episode of Are You Being Served with the people coming down the stairs. It's sort of hearkening back to old Hollywood big musical movies. That's what what Family Guy is making fun of at the very beginning of opening credits. When they're going up the big stairs and there's Baby and he's make him cry and laugh and cry, whatever. Um, I always thought it was weird that, that Meg and Lois wore the bodysuit. And, you know, like, that's that's a weird thing. And they do that in this episode, but that's just the way they did it back then. I thought it was yeah, fabulous. Um, they all have a little speaking part. And, of course, Mr. Humphreys, um, the big day may be tonight. And he does this, this camp little thing. Um, it was cute. And, you know, I think it's fine. I, I, I It's already being served. It can, do, it can do no wrong. So there, fight me. Fight me. <laughs> So, um, next week, we're going to get into Season 7. I think this is a a turn in the series for the better. Okay. Because we get to meet Mr. Goldberg in the episode The Junior, where Mr. Tebbs retires, and they have to... They promote Mr. Humphreys, they promote Mr. Lucas, and then they have to hire a junior to fill in underneath. And again, um, like we've said before, this is the last scene that we ever see Mr. Tebbs. Like we said with Mr. Granger, um, you know, a lot of people think that the the actor who fills the senior um, salesperson keeps passing away. But no, he had another job that paid him three times as much as what he got on this show. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, Mr. Jeff, if people wanted to reach out to us and let us know what they thought about this episode or any other damn thing they want to tell us, what would they do? They can get in touch with us on Facebook or on Twitter. Or write us an old-fashioned email at that does suit madam with an e at gmail.com. Or they can call the Peacock Hotline at 662-PEACOCK. That's 662-732-2625. All right. And if you're not in the United States and you want to leave a, mo- a voicemail but you can't because it costs you 90 Deutschmarks or whatever, just use your, voice, yeah. <laughs> use your voice memo app on your iPhone or whatever and email us the file and we can play it on the show. And thanks for everyone's uh, messages and things uh, reaching out to us on the show. And with that, Mr. Jeff, you've all done very well. By unanimous, thank you. That Does Suit Madam is not endorsed by the BBC and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are You Being Served is a copyrighted program of the BBC. Cast subject to change without notice.